Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week, we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, happy birthday to Experts Only. My name is John Powers, a co-founder of Clean Capital and your host today for the Experts Only podcast. We've been on for about a year, and thanks to our listeners so far, it's been a big year. We've released 30 episodes with leading experts ranging from uh, investors, industry visionaries, and innovators across the clean tech space and the financial market space, focusing on that intersection of energy innovation and finance. And you know, we invited back our first experts only guest, Abby Ross Hopper, the president and CEO of the Solar Energy Industry Association. Uh, it's been quite a year for solar. We've invited Abby back to talk about it and really to talk about the state of solar. The industry has responded to the challenging political environment, uh, the international trade case, the international climate agreement withdrawals, federal regulations intended to favor fossil fuels. It's been a really busy year for the head of the industry group. As many of our listeners will be headed out to Solar Power International, we hope that today's conversation will help give you a sense of where the industry is and where it's headed before you head out. For those headed to Anaheim, we'll be doing a live recording of Experts Only, focus on the business opportunity of microgrids on Wednesday from 2.30 to 4. You can find more details uh, in the show notes and, of course, at the SPI website. I hope you enjoy today's conversation as we really talk about how the state of solar is strong and there's a lot moving in this space. And I'm excited to have Abby join us. Abby, thanks so much for joining us today. You've had a really busy year since we last spoke. And so I wanted to kick things off today with an update on some of the major activities happening in the solar industry over the last year, You know, things that have impacted the industry. What an interesting year it's been. We've had solar tariffs, 100% renewable goals in, in California, record-breaking procurement, and so much more. But you know, I really want to sort of step back and talk about the state of the industry. You know, we're at a time now where solar represents 10% of electricity in, in five states. But it's not all been roses. I mean, there's a certain tremendous amount of uncertainty that I imagine you've had to wrestle with. So you know, how do you define the last year for solar? Well, John, first of all, thank you so much for having me back. It's an honor to be here again. Gosh, I would say the state of solar is strong despite all of the challenges we have had. I think we continue to show our tenacity, our ingenuity, our entrepreneurial spirit in the face of some pretty significant challenges. And I think the thing that I find the most frustrating is that while we're we're doing all kinds of great things, we could have been doing so much more, right? If we didn't right. have these headwinds, we could have been growing at an even faster clip. That's that's interesting to hear. I mean, we see that on the investment side, there's a whole new wave of capital coming into solar because of uh, because of the growth we've had over the last uh, decade. And you know, even with the headwinds, I think there's a, a lot of exciting things going on. One of the biggest challenges, I think, that's been news since we last spoke a year ago is the the solar tariffs, right? And for folks that aren't absolutely familiar with it, can you talk a little bit about the international trade case, what happened, and you know what impact you're seeing in the industry today? Sure. So when we last spoke, uh, we were sort of in the midst of this trade case. There was an incredible amount of uncertainty. And as you know, that uncertainty by itself 
had a dampening effect on the market. Uh, and then at the end of January of this year, so January of 2018, the president um, decided to impose tariffs on sales and modules from anywhere in the world that were coming into the United States. So starts at 30% um, and goes drops down by 5% each year uh, for the next four years. And so the imposition of those tariffs sort of had two effects. One was that they provided clarity, right? We knew what the rules right, of the road right. were. And so in a sort of an odd way, it unleashed some pent-up demand. But it certainly has had a dampening effect on deployment as I look at what our projections um, would have were before the imposition of the tariffs. We thought between 2018 and 2022 that there would be about 68.9 gigawatts installed during that period. And then once we sort of figured out the impact of the tariffs, uh, that went down by almost 8 gigawatts, so down to 61.2. So again, 61.2 gigawatts over four years, is great growth, exactly. But but we're leaving eight gigawatts on the table, and that eight gigawatts is almost nine billion dollars of investment. I mean, those are real dollars that are being impacted. Real dollars, real jobs, uh, here in the U.S. I, I feel like in the market as a whole, there was just this, you know, getting into like October, November, December. There was just a pause, and it wasn't mm-hmm. so much these projects weren't going to get built. It was how are you going to price the panels. Like, how are we going to price the panels? We don't know how we're going to price the panels. Let's just wait until this is done. And that's that's certainly, while while painful, is there. And I think the market's recovering and and continue to move forward. At the federal level, I want to talk about the federal level for a second, a little bit of what's happening at states. But at the federal level, outside of the tariffs, we're facing an administration that seems more interested in propping up a coal industry than a really true competitive market in a, a sustainable economy. You know, what do you guys expect or what did you expect over the last year from this administration and what have you seen being played out? So it's a really interesting dynamic, I think, that's being played out at the federal level because we have strong relationships with the administration, those in the White House, Commerce, the Department of Energy, right, continuing to fund research around solar. Obviously, on the Hill, we have great support um, for what we're doing. And so... There are some really good things to highlight, and yet there are uh, efforts to also prop up um, uneconomic coal and nuclear plants, obviously, which we oppose strenuously. And it's been an interesting time for us because we have found ourselves— By the way, so does utilities and a lot of other (laughs) interesting players, right? I was going to say, we have this um, sort of very unusual coalition opposed to those efforts. So we're with the American Petroleum Institute and we're with the American Natural Gas Association as we you know, stand up to the administration and say, no, we want fair market rules. We want competition. We want to compete on price. Do not interfere with the market. And that is that, that is a great position to be in, right? To be able to have a technology and a product that uh, where what we really want are fair market rules. Um, but it is also challenging because this administration continues to uh, come up with ways to try to favor coal and nukes. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think because of what came out of the Obama administration, which we both worked in, there was a lot of momentum in the space. A lot of the advocacy groups sort of took took stock and said, okay, the real fight here for a while is going to be at the state level. Uh, yeah. You've seen some exciting things happening. California just recently announced a 100% renewable energy goal. You've got states like Texas and Illinois and finally Florida with progress. You know, it's crazy that we have 
great solar in Minnesota, but very little in Florida right now. But we're seeing progress now at the state level. What's making that change? You know, what what do you sort of see happening over the next uh, the next year in the state level to continue to drive that change? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say two things. One. Hats off to California. Obviously, they continue to be a leader um, in the deployment of clean energy. And obviously, the 100% renewable portfolio standard is important. But also, the um, the, CES, the California Energy Commission's decision to require solar on all new homes starting in 2020. I mean, that that's the kind of right. sort of visionary leadership that I think will will sweep across the country, right, once folks understand that that decision was made to actually save consumers money, that uh, leadership by California will uh, be copied in other states. So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing is, as, as you know, as prices continue to decline, even in the face of tariffs and even in the face of some other market challenges, we just become more cost competitive. And so consumers... Uh, are continuing to choose solar for economic reasons, not any other kind of reasons. And we are more and more cost competitive in more and more markets. And so I think that will be the real driver of of adoption rather than policy. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that actually in the corporate side. You know, we've seen such a surge in corporate procurement. Uh, corporations already purchased a record clean energy volumes in 2018. This summer, surpassing all of 2017 combined with. 7.2 gigawatts globally. Firms like Facebook, who this year was the biggest corporate buyer, are catching up to companies like Walmart and Apple. The demand is fantastic. What is driving that positive trend? I think you've hit on some of this already with, with pricing uncertainty. And do, we, do you sort of expect it to continue? Um, I do expect it to continue. Um, as we look at that, just sort of one other statistic to add to your litany of them, um, corporate procurement of utility-scale uh, PV accounts for about 12% of all projects in development, which is pretty wow. amazing when you think of that such a sort of specialized section segment of the market. You know, the other thing I think that, that drives it is customer demand, right? Customers of... Walmart, of Facebook, of Google, of FedEx, of, of real estate companies that say, you know what, I want my fill in the blank to be right. uh, to be delivered or procured or built or manufactured with renewable energy. And so I actually think um, that is going to be continue to be a really important piece of the puzzle. And that's why we can talk more about this, but that's one of the reasons why we are really focused on how we communicate about solar so that consumers, be they utilities, be they businesses, be they homeowners, can can articulate that um, desire and demand for solar energy. So yeah, talk for a second about what SIA is doing to engage in that space. Because it's, you know, if you think about the the industry as a whole, right, it's always focused on the manufacturing side, the utility developers, uh, even the financiers. But now the procurers are becoming such a amazing voice, both for obviously demand, but even, you know, places like Google's going in and driving policy in states to get their data centers uh, supported by renewables, right? So they're just a whole new voice to the fight. They're a whole new voice to the fight. And I think, you know, if you think about both consumers moving companies and consumers moving policymakers, it's a really important piece piece of the puzzle that we have to pay attention to. And so at SIA, we are thinking very deliberately about what messages resonate with consumers and what messages resonate with policymakers. And then how do we find ways and opportunities to 
amplify those messages. So we've done some message testing. Uh, so testing, is it an economic message? Is it a climate change message? Is it a jobs message, right? What's the most powerful thing that motivates people to speak up for solar? And also, I mean, you've seen all the polls, right? 90% of people think there should be more solar. Right. Well, that's great. But what do we have to do to get them to take some action, right? To either call a legislator or buy solar or sort of do something to, to move that intention to a, a demonstrable uh, step. And so we're um, doing a whole bunch of work and thinking about how we tell the solar story. And I can tell you that the jobs piece is resonates incredibly strongly with both consumers and policymakers. So what are we seeing in the jobs numbers that, that's doing that? So, I mean, the, I think what what surprises people, and they believe us, but it surprises them, is just the sheer volume, right? right. 250,000 Americans employed in solar, that is just an incredible amount of people. And so we have seen that from our advocacy at the federal level, right? When we go into congressional offices and Senate offices, um, we always talk about how many people in your district are employed in solar, and almost to a person, they're surprised. We talk to governors, right? They um, they are often surprised by how many solar firms and how many solar employees are in their states. And so, you know, we talked about price and consumer consumer choice all being motivators of greater solar adoption and greater solar policy. But but uh, jobs are an important piece of that. Uh, that mix. So just for our listeners, I think these job numbers, one of the things that is so important when, uh, you know, SIA or Department of Energy or Solar Foundation are compiling these numbers as many of you get surveys, take the survey, fill out the data <laughs> on your jobs so that they know where you are and what you're doing uh, so they can help us tell the story better. I want to go talk more about SIA and the communications piece in a second, but at Solar Power International this year, SIA is releasing their, their new quarterly report at it has a little bit of mixed news for the industry, right? Utility and commercial and industrial installations seem to be on the rise, while residential remains flat. Talk a little bit about the data that's in this report and some of the takeaways from this, this quarterly report. Sure. So what we thought was likely to happen is playing out to post-tariff. We think that 2018 total installations will be flat against 2017, which, again, is a real lost opportunity, unfortunately. Right. We do, however, interestingly enough, kind of on the residential side, that market is expected to, to grow less, but not as less as before. Does that make sense? Right, so, right. <laughs> you know, it, it was going gangbusters, and then it declined last year, and it's, it's stabilizing a bit. Um, so it's not growing as much as it, it had, but, uh, but it's not losing ground to the same extent. Um, similarly, the utility scale and the um, commercial and industrial space are not growing to the extent that they were. And so it is a sort of solid, but not don't go out and celebrate kind of yeah. uh, report. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, with, with the headwinds that we've talked about there, it's still positive news. It hasn't turned into the, a roller coaster that, that folks expected. I mean, I think the the real question now is where, how do we push through, right? I mean, the, inc- the uncertainty in the Q4 of 17 showed up in Q1 and Q2 of, of 18. Uh-huh. That's just how the development pipelines work. But, you know, going back to the role of, of all the listeners, right, going back to how we can keep pushing these policies forward, it, 
it takes all of us to be active to continue to push this administration, our, our lawmakers and others to make a difference. Um, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think the other thing that we've been thinking a lot about are, you know, where are there other opportunities to drive down cost that aren't as dependent on, on policy, right? So obviously technology is one way that you can drive down costs that isn't necessarily dependent on technology. You know, what what are the soft costs that we can try to get out of our process, right? Where can right. we cut where can we cut costs on permitting? Yes, permitting is governmental <laughs> engagement, but but it's different, right? It's a, that's a different strategy than trying to pass a law or pass a tax credit or pass a uh, some sort of grant program, but saying, no, let's just cut down on the regulatory burden and we can cut costs in that way. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like for people that don't know, 64% of these projects are soft costs. This is one of the things Clean Capital is trying to address, but so many others are too. Uh, And all of those price inefficiencies that are happening in the market will continue to make – Pay huge dividends on the the price of solar. So let's talk about SIA for a second. You are closing in on your second year. This is going to be your second Solar Power International as the head of the Solar Energy Industry Association. You're positioning the organization to be the voice of solar. You're putting a lot of emphasis on disruptive communications and marketing. I think this is really exciting news. But tell the audience why you're doing that, and then how do you sort of look to achieve that? Sure. Well, it is such an honor and such a privilege to serve in the role that I do. Um, my favorite part is talking to solar companies and hearing about what's happening in their marketplace, what's happening in their town, what's happening in their business, how their employees are growing and innovating. And so, you know, thinking about how as the National Trade Association, we share that story and share that enthusiasm and sort of share that passion for solar is what we're thinking about. And so we are, you know, we can talk about all the benefits and talk about how great it is. And, and we can, we do that and we will continue to do that. But we're, we're bringing in some thinkers to help us think about how we disrupt that, right? How do we present these messages in completely different ways and create completely different ways of demand for our product, right? This is a product that we're selling. We're, sell- we're selling electricity right. that happens to be generated by the sun. And right, how do we create consumer demand for our product so that we can sell more of it? That's exciting and interesting um, to do. And if, if we can do that effectively, you know, we will not be so dependent on poli- the sort of the machinations of policy and the, the vagrancies of different administrations. We will have a product that consumers want and will continue to purchase. So, so that's what we're thinking about. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, you face an interesting balance, right? You need to protect the markets that we're in today while really trying to open up new markets. You know, where do you see some of those new market opportunities for, for solar? A couple of places. One is certainly on the residential side, right? And sort of getting cost competitive amongst greater number of states. And obviously that depends on price. And that's some of the the permitting um, and soft costs we talked about on the resi side are particularly impactful. On the corporate demand side, the CNI side, right? Making sure that, that we have opportunities for corporates to continue to purchase solar and that and, and sort of galvanize their policymaking ability because they do have an incredibly unique voice and are um, influential in ways that sort of others can't be. Thinking about community solar and how we how we can continue to create um, opportunities for community solar and demand for community solar, I think that addresses a f- some of the equities right in our industry and ensuring that really everyone has access to this product that we're selling. And then, you know, on the utility scale side. 
continuing to both be active and create markets sort of through the regulatory process, but also to continue to drive down costs and make sure that the, the market rules remain fair so that we can compete, you know, compete in procurements and compete in all sorts of different ways so that uh, we win all of those things. Right, right. So, you know, I sort of challenge the listeners to go to SEIA.org. SEIA.org. You can actually get the reports that we talked about today, the, the Wood, Wood and McKenzie's Power and Renewables Report, where they part, they SEIA rolls it out regularly. Uh, as we mentioned, it has increased its five-year forecast to 1.9 gigawatts, exciting stuff, but obviously balance of the fact that we're, we're wrestling with still lower than pre, pre-tariff announcements, but still great growth for the industry. I'd also sort of, if you're on your way to SPI, Make sure to to see Abby's. Uh, I imagine you're on a plethora of panels, but I know you've got a really exciting <laughs> communications panel, and take part in what will be a really exciting conference this year. How do you see SPI sort of changing, uh, or how has it changed? You know, as we're seeing, for instance, storage start to really come into play here. Right. No, that's a that's a good question. Um, so just for your listeners, my panel is Tuesday morning. So Tuesday morning. Great. Come Tuesday morning. I will <laughs> I will be talking about this. And with some some I think I'm the only solar person on the panel, right? So we have marketing people and communications people from a variety of different industries. I think we spend a lot of time talking to ourselves and we're gonna hear from people who don't have such a vested interest in solar. And I think we'll be uh, just tell us tell like so that'll be fun. I would say, you know, Solar Power International is really evolving to reflect the world as it is and the world as it's going to be. So we have added Energy Storage International. Obviously, the two technologies are incredibly complementary, um, and many consumers, whatever, wherever they are in the value chain, are interested in demanding solar plus storage. And so we have a significant. Uh, portion of our show and of our programming is around storage. Um, and then thinking more broadly about kind of the energy system. I, I was going to say of the future, but it really is of now, right? How, do, how does um, demand response play into this? What kind of software systems are engaged in making sure this whole thing happens? What's the role of microgrids? How about electric vehicles, right? How right. do they play into this system? And where do they, you know, can they act as storage? And how does that happen? And what technology is needed to make that happen? So I would say kind of in a, in a nutshell, the evolution is looking at the system and not just a specific technology. Um, and I find that exciting. The other thing that I would be remiss if I didn't say is that I, I am hopeful that SBI is becoming more diverse, right? I mean, it's, I yeah. went last year for my first one and there's a lot of people that all look the same yeah. <laughs> at SBI. And so being really intentional about making sure that we are uh, bringing in men and women and people of all colors into our workforce and into our customer base and into our conferences and on our panels um, is incredibly important to me personally, but I think to our industry, we're going to be much more um, innovative and much more thoughtful and much more powerful if we sort of bring all these voices uh, into our industry. And so hopefully folks will continue to notice a diversification of our shows as we continue to reflect the world as it is. 
Outstanding. How do you, as a, a pro now at SPI, any insider <laughs> tips for, for the newbies? Okay, John, I think you make yourself a bedtime and stick to it. That is my super, not that fun, but I actually live by it. Pro tip. <laughs> That's good. I love it. I love it. Abby, thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, being part of the, this is really our anniversary show. as we talk, as I said in the introduction, you are our first guest. I appreciate you being on, and I'm really excited to continue to tell the, the positive story that, that Solar has been in the track we're on. And hopefully next year we're back having the same conversation and, and continuing to push the market in an exciting direction. Great. Well, happy anniversary, and thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Abby for joining us. We look forward to seeing many of you at Solar Power International in Anaheim. As always, please continue to to listen and share this podcast. If you have ideas for other guests, please share them with us. And I'd like to thank our producers, Lauren Glickman and Emily Connor, for their continued support. Go to cleancapital.com to get more episodes. And as always, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.